Hey there, it's Ron. I have a cold and my voice sounds ridiculous, but I wanted to let you know there is only one show left in 2016, and I want to see you there. It's at 8 p.m. on December 21st at Bumport Theater in Denver. The theme will be Parents Just Don't Understand. And speaking of themes, we've just announced all of our monthly themes for 2017, so please head over to our Facebook page or thenarrators.org for more info. All right, on with the episode. Next Storyteller. All right, Next Storyteller. Next Storyteller. Our Next Storyteller. Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. Today's story comes from Rachel Weeks. Rachel is a comedian, writer, actor, and member of the Denver comedy group, The Pussy Bros. This story was originally recorded on July 20th, 2016 at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. The theme of the evening was pop. Hi, everybody. I, uh, hang on one sec. Uh, never mind. Okay, I'll be tall. Uh... <laughs> After, after graduating from college, I think um, a lot of people decide to like take life by the horns, you know? Just to like tear out into a new city with a new job and a new apartment, you know? Uh, I decided after college that I was just gonna move into a house two blocks away from my college, um, which is fine. Uh, but I, I, just, I just wanted to like ease into post-grad life, you know? Like just take it gently. So I moved in. Uh, with four other women, all late starters, you know, um, sort of friends that I knew, but they'd all they'd all been living together for about two years in this house that they called Park Place. Um, I, I didn't know them all that well, but they were they were my kind of people, right? So we had a great summer. We smoked and we drank and we hung out and we rode bikes to the farmers market and we snuck into pools we weren't supposed to be into, and it was just like a good, easy, lazy summer. Uh, I've always, uh, I've always been afraid of new beginnings, you know? Like, I, I prefer life to be a, a steady stream of experiences. Uh, sort of like one easily flowing into another, like a long, continuous breath into a balloon, right? Uh, I've always been afraid that if I blew too hard or too fast that the balloon would pop. So I've just sort of taken it easy. So I wanted my transition into adulthood after college to be fluid, right, natural, easy. Uh, and my friend Kelsey, who was one of the girls that I lived with, wanted the same thing too. So the two of us, uh, or I've always gotten along best with Kelsey, right? Kelsey and I are both writers. We love words and people. We like to talk about politics and books and religion. Uh, and Kelsey was always an interesting person. She was fastidious. Right and and passionate person who who erred on the side of self righteous. Um, <laughs> I told her once that everything that came out of her mouth could be written on a picket sign, and she was a little mad, but it was fine. Um, I I remember she kept this journal that she wrote in, and it was kind of like a diary, but more of like a ledger, where she wrote down what she did every day, who she saw, what she did, what TV shows she watched. And I was like, that's creepy. Um, and, and she said, uh, maybe I'll use it for a book someday. And she just kept taking it. She'd been doing it for nine years. It was a series of books that had what she had done every day for nine years. 
yeah, there's like some kind of OCD there. I don't know. Uh, but Kelsey and I decided we were going to spend the next year in Des Moines together. Uh, we were going to get our bearings and save some money, stay at our jobs. Uh, so we were going to move into a two-bedroom apartment together. And we were like, oh, we don't need anything nice. We just need a cheap one. And just so you guys know, cheap in Des Moines, we paid $795 for a two-bedroom apartment. That's what cheap means in Des Moines. Uh, so on, on July 15th, Kelsey and I signed a lease for this cheap cockroach apartment. And uh, on July 18th, uh, almost exactly two years ago, Kelsey was hit by a car. Uh, yeah, pop, motherfuckers. Um, I, I lived with the other girls at that time, and I was working in the same building as one of the girls, Erin. And I ran to Erin to find her at her, at her desk. She had already found out. She was crying, packing blindly. So I grabbed her and we ran to the hospital. And um, Kylie and Maddie, the other two girls, were out of town. By the time we got to the hospital, Kelsey had only been there 20 minutes. Um, she'd been running that afternoon and she, she was hit by a 19-year-old girl who was driving without her license who ran a red light. She was likely texting. Um, Kelsey was thrown 32 feet from the point of impact. She did about $10,000 worth of damage to the car and the damage to her was innumerable. Um, they, they told us all of this and then they directed us to a room outside of the ICU that they called the crying room, which is not okay. Uh, you can't do that. They put us in the crying room where there's dim lighting and this creepy white marble statue of Mother Teresa. Uh, and she doesn't have pupils. You know, she's got like concave eyes and just stares at you while you wait. Right for two hours to find out more news. It took them two hours to make Ken Kelsey presentable to us. Two hours to wash the blood and the leaves from her hair. Two hours to sew up the gashes on her face and her nose and her scalp. And two hours to wrap her broken arm, ankle, to apply a boot and a neck brace. After two hours, we got in and we got to see her and she still looked horrible. She looked so bad. I remember they had washed and braided her hair into a three-strand braid right out the top of her head. Uh, her face was swollen and scratched and it was pushed up by the neck brace like a turtle whose head was too big for its shell. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't look like Kelsey. Her skin was too gray and her body was too limp. Uh, her hair was too tidy or something. We, we joked that Kelsey would have hated what they had done with her hair because Kelsey always used this all-natural shampoo paste. It was good for the environment, I guess. Uh, so she, she would have considered the hospital shampoo to just be an abomination. Um, and the braid was an ab abomination too. Uh, but we quickly learned that Kelsey had fractured her neck, hip, arm, and ankle. She had also suffered what they called minor brain shearing. Um, and that essentially it's a scrape on the outside of the brain. brain. Um, doctors told us that recovery was possible, but uh, we had no promises. Uh, overnight, Park Place, the house that I lived in, became a menagerie of sadness and newfound responsibility. Uh, Kelsey's family had come from Illinois to stay with us. It was her mom, her younger brother, her father, who had stage two Parkinson's. Um, Maddie had just come back from Europe. Kylie had just come back from Texas. 
Uh, we were all managing a GoFundMe campaign to cover Kelsey's mounting medical debts. Uh, and we were all supposed to move out in two weeks. But all we could think about was Kelsey. It took, it took two days for her to regain consciousness. Uh, it took about a week for her to speak for the first time. And when she did, she was raw and she was angry. She told her mother, who had been sleeping in the hospital every day and every night, to go fuck herself. Go fuck yourself. Let me out of here. Let me out, let me out, let me out. One afternoon, she punched a nurse. <laughs> but most of the time, she slept. Uh, it was a dark week. It was, it was dark. But, but at the end of the week, when Kelsey's family had gone for food and only Maddie and I remained in the hospital bed room to, to take care of Kelsey, Kelsey signaled to Maddie and I that she needed to use the bathroom. Uh, so Maddie and I struggled to detangle her and her bedrobe from the sheets and to sort of haul her onto this like stooly, wheelie bathroom bucket. You know these? Uh, we, but we got her backwards and she was confused and she, she let out this groan and she muttered, what are you doing? <laughs> and that was the first time I laughed in that room. It was the first time I saw a spark behind her eyes and her whole time her vagina was just out. Um, <laughs> hospital dead gowns are nightmares. <laughs> they never stay where you put them. Um, it was... She's also a naturalist, unshaven, here we go, you know? I, the second week, the second week was better, but it was trying. Uh, Kelsey's, Kelsey's family had been in our living room for more than a week now. Our move out date was fast approaching. I no longer had a place to live. My internship was up at the end of, or in less than two weeks. And soon I would be homeless and jobless and five hours from home. But now Kelsey was talking all the time. It was as if the accident had, had scraped away the part of her brain that filters things. She'd just say anything and everything that came to her mind at any moment. Uh, one night I asked Kelsey if she'd rather eat pudding or applesauce and she said, it doesn't fucking matter because you are wearing a Hobby Lobby dress. It was this dress. This is the Hobby Lobby dress. This is the Hobby Lobby dress. Um, and I've worn it about twice since she said that, and every time I put it on, I'm like, it's a fucking Hobby Lobby dress. <laughs> In the middle of week two, Kelsey detailed her sexual history to her 15-year-old brother. Um, uh, at the beginning of week two, Kelsey's old roommate's mom showed up. It was weird. It was a weird thing. Uh, we knew it was weird. We knew Kelsey knew it was weird. And we were so concerned about what she was going to say. Because <laughs> the lady had driven out from Kansas City to see her. That's like a three-hour drive. Uh, so we were, just, we were just hoping that Kelsey would be nice. And she, I remember this woman, she came to the side of Kelsey's bed and she kind of stooped and she got real close to her face. And she said... Sweetheart, do you remember me? You taught me how to recycle. <laughs> and Maddie and I are sitting there like, dear God, don't, 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 don't. And we waited and it was quiet and no response came. 
Eventually, this woman walked out of the room. Kelsey slowly whips her. She's got a neck brace on, so everything's funnier. Uh, she turns her head over. She looks at us with kind of dead eyes and goes, what the fuck? <laughs> We're like, yeah, what the fuck, but good for you. Uh, you're getting better, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> with, Kelsey, with Kelsey talking more, her, her brain injury uh, was becoming more apparent. Uh, she swore a lot, obviously. Uh, she struggled with long-term memories, and her short-term memory was almost non-existent. Um, every day we'd ask her if she knew what happened, uh, if she knew where she was. And every day, she would have a different answer. Uh, occasionally, she'd be correct, and she'd say something like, some cunt hit me with her car. Um, other days, she, she actually said this. Another day, she said, I fought a lion, and I lost. <laughs> We're like, hell yeah, but you did 10,000 worth of dollars of damage to that lion. Um, uh, but most of the time, Kelsey couldn't remember. She couldn't remember what happened to her. She was always trying to get us to break her free of the hospital. She's like, let's bust out of here, you know? <laughs> she told us again and again and again that she had a party to go to. She's like, I got a party tonight, we gotta go. Uh, and every day we'd have to remind her that the party was a week and a half ago. Um, every time we told her that, she looked sad and confused. Like we had just told her her dog had died and she didn't have a dog. She just didn't have any context for it. Like, towards the end of week two, uh, Kelsey started taking cognitive tests, right? So they'd ask her basic questions to see where she is, uh, to test her brain function. Uh, and sometimes she'd be correct, uh, but she was always an asshole about it. Because she was kind of an asshole, you know? Like, they'd ask her a, qu a question. They're so condescending. But, you know, she's a brain injury. Anyway, they'd say, uh, like, who discovered the United States, right? And she'd say, not Christopher Columbus. Um, which is true, but you know the answer they want is Christopher Columbus. Don't be a dick. What are you doing? I remember they asked her, they were like, what's the cause of the American Civil War? And she said, some people think it's slavery, but really it's a lot more complicated than that. You know? But then you'd ask her where she is, and she'd say something like, well, based on the bed and the couch and the TV, I'm gonna get something residential, maybe like a hotel or an apartment. You're like, bitch, you've got IVs coming out of your arms, context clues. I don't know, it was, every day it was like that. Like they, my favorite thing that we still don't understand to this day, I. The, the doctor asked her to list, can you list some fruit for me? Just list fruit, very simple. She said, hell yeah, yeah, hell yeah, I can list fruit. Yeah, list fruit, got it, list fruit. Kiwi, uh, papaya, um, turnip, turnip's a fruit. We're like, no, but okay. Uh, and she's like, hmm, uh, apple, uh, Penelope Cruz. And then, she looked taken aback, like somebody else had said it for her. She was like, orange? <laughs> like she couldn't understand it. 
They did that a few times. I asked her different things. They were like, can you list some animals? And she was like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Got some animals. Ready. Okay, scorpion. Weird first. That's a weird first, right? She's like, all right, scorpion. Uh, tortoise. Wait, these are supposed to be water animals, right? We're like, no, but neither of those were water animals. What are you doing? And then she'd be like, oh, okay, fine. Just regular animals. Okay, uh, camel, Penelope Cruz, uh, dog. Hey, that was an easy one, you know? She was just... <laughs> I remember after she said Penelope Cruz the second time, and she just looked defeated. She was like, what the hell? But didn't want to be wrong, you know? So she just kind of looked at her lap and quieted up. I... I remember, sorry, um, I remember the day that they were going to move Kelsey to inpatient care in Illinois. She had a five and a half hour um, ambulance ride to Illinois, uh, which was largely what the GoFundMe paid for, because holy shit. Um, but the day that they moved her to inpatient care was the day I uh, started couch surfing. Uh, I moved all of my things into my friend Kenzie's apartment um, and Kelsey and my lease was terminated. Uh, I, I remember saying, saying goodbye to her, and I said I would see her soon, and she said, why don't you want to live with me anymore? What happened? And she was crying, and I'd never seen Kelsey cry before. And it's one of those things where you can't explain to her that she's wrong here. <laughs> She got it, it's your fault, bitch, uh, that I don't have a place to live right now because she was so sad. But I, I don't know, I, I remember we moved all of Kelsey's stuff out of this house and uh, her mom was there and it was me and Maddie and Kylie and we were all moving her stuff out and Maddie had supposedly done a sweep <laughs> for non-mom material. <laughs> You know, weed, vibrators, condoms, the works. Um, we were going through it and uh, we found a secret tiny vibrator behind her bed. Uh, well, her mom did uh, anyway. And a little pipe and you're like, Maddie, what are you good for? Um, but we moved her out. <laughs> we got all that done. The, the month, I, I look back on that month and I think how fast everything changed. And I, I think about how I wasn't allowed like a fluid transition into adulthood and how my gentle stream of air basically turned into like a jet engine of emotional and financial and personal responsibility. But, and it was overwhelming to say the least, but I, my balloon didn't pop, right? It just grew and it got bigger and I, it was stronger than I thought it would be. But you know, fuck me and my Hobby Lobby dress because Kelsey doesn't remember anything from three weeks after her accident. She, her creepy nine-year-old fucking diary ledger has a three-week gap in it where she doesn't know. But the point is that it goes on, right? Today, she, she's in Ecuador. She's teaching English to kids there. Uh, she wants to take the GRE and go to grad school. Um, we did end up living together in Des Moines. She recovered faster than anyone had ever expected, uh, which is proof of her stubborn nature. And 
Uh, we moved in together. She started studying for the GRE immediately. And I remember that vocab was very hard for her. And she was frustrated one day because she was like, I can't tell if this would have been hard for me a year ago or if I'm just stupid in general. <laughs> Which is heartbreaking. And about a week later, she was like, you know, at this point, I can't even compare and contrast before and after. There's just me now. That's my story. Thank you guys so much. Keep it going for Rachel Weeks, everybody. Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our intern is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. Very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Lego Pete's, Greater Than Records, Sexy Pizza, Sexbot Comedy, From the Hip Photo, and Breckenridge Brewery. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter. And for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>